Thanks for listening to the podcast from Jonathan Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. You may have noticed, hopefully you've noticed, over the last couple weeks, we've been really pushing the idea of being in community with one another, being unified in the body of Christ, getting into community groups. And a lot of you are already doing that, but I want to give you an opportunity uh, as, we, as we get into this message here in a minute to, to really consider that. And so I couldn't think of anybody better necessarily this morning than a couple that for some reason is in two community groups. That's how much they seem to enjoy it. So Rich and Barb Jarnecki, if you will come on up. Yeah. And if y'all haven't met them, I'm telling you, you're missing something. You're missing something. Some more of our wonderful northerners. We keep attracting the Yankees, and it's wonderful. And they're a lot of fun. And so I'm just going to ask you guys a couple questions. And I gave you a heads up so you wouldn't be, you know, too terrified. Of course, you're never afraid and fun of people, but, um, but first of all, will you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Well, well can I take that? I can take it? Oh, that's, that's, that's and you think you're going to get it back. Okay. Um, yes, Rich and Barb Jarnicki here. Uh, we uh, originally from, yes, New York, or as many of you folks down here like to hear us say, New York. Uh, after we were married, we moved to Philadelphia for a while. Uh, we survived. Then we went to, uh, we lived up in Maine. Well, the pace is much slower. The people, they have a very unique way of speaking. And <laughs> then we thought, what better way than to come on down here and visit with y'all and <laughs> learn these different dialects that sometimes I can't even understand. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, we, we've been around. And uh, uh, I, that's about it. Yeah, okay, you can have it. Yeah, that's good. They have a daughter. And they're retired, too, so that's why they're... Say that again. Yeah, you like that word, huh? So it wasn't long. You, they actually have not been attending our church terribly long. They joined our church last uh, fall. Yeah. And so they've been in community groups for most of that time that they've been here. So let me ask you this. What, what was it that caused you or... or, or what, what made you decide to go to check out a small group? Okay. Our very first Sunday here, we were checking out the swag table. And uh, next thing I knew, I was put in a headlock by Mark Eichen. <laughs> and he strongly encouraged us to come to their small group. So, uh, and while he had me in the headlock, Tom came up and started handing me lifesavers. And... <laughs> And, um, and, and giving us directions, and everybody began talking to us at once. So I remember when we got it in the car and we were heading home, Barb said to me, so are we going? I said, how can we not? Because they will hunt us down and kill us. Uh, so, <laughs> so then, <laughs> so uh, we began going there, and we had such a great time that we thought it was a great way, especially since we were new to the area, to meet other people, especially within the church. So we started going to the Tuesday night group, and 
again, it's it's just a great way to, to connect with other people and, and just and other believers, yeah. you know, and, and just get to know. Not that there's anything wrong with connecting with people too. <laughs> you know, they they, they they need to they need to know the Lord. But you, you want this back, don't you? I can <laughs> <laughs> That was great. I promise we won't kill you. That part uh, he was being sarcastic. Uh, the headlock might have been real, I don't know, but so now that you've been attending group for several months now, two groups in fact, um, what would you say have been some of the things uh, that you've seen most in your spiritual health or, or just in your relationships to others? How have you grown in any area? I, I would say, you know, I think the song that you guys chose just now was very apropos. Uh, you know, just the, the need of people being people. And spiritually, I think, just studying God's word as a group with other people and understanding where they're coming from. Everybody has, you know, is at a different point in the journey. Mm-hmm. We're all at a different point in our walk. And I think that... Nobody's perfect. And yeah, and like I say, well, I hear Jonathan always tell me a lot. It's like, hey, we're all broken. And we all have different degrees and things that we need to deal with. And it's just a great opportunity to share and support each other in, in ways that, you know, you're not going to find in the workplace or, or, or out in, in the secular world, at least not as pure and not as genuine as you're going to get at small group. Amen. All right, one final question for you. Um, this one's a toughie. Actually, really not. There's a few people out here uh, that have been with us for a while, and then there's some newcomers that either they haven't checked out a group. Maybe there might even be a few people in here that were in groups at one point and just, eh, maybe they're meh now. Uh, but there's some people in here that are on the fence and aren't sure. What would you say to the person that's on the fence? Why should they check out a community group? I think community group, like anything else in life, you know, it's kind of like standing on the high dive over a pool. You, you got to be ready to make the jump. That's one of the hardest things because sometimes we're afraid of commitment. We're afraid of what other people are going to think. Don't. Don't. Because you've got people. You had to do this to me. <laughs> Just look at your yeah. wife. She's, she's baffled by it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that there's people are in all you know parts of their lives, and if you can share that with somebody and and just be built up and encouraged and um it's just you know it doesn't have to be a lifetime commitment you know you can it could just be a season of your life that you you join and you you don't have to be afraid of it you know it's just be yourself. Right. And, and, and there's no pressure to to be anyone other than yourself. You know, you can share uh, or not share. I mean, there are times where you just want to sit there the whole time because we have a great time studying God's word. But, you know, it, it, it's not between the, the study. I, I break it down into three components. You have the stu- study time. You have like just the, the good discussion time, you know, and then you have the prayer time. So you may be involved in all three of those in one night, or you may just want to be the wallflower that night. But it's okay to be that, to be that person. 
All right. Thank you so much. Y'all give Rich and Barb a hand. We made Rich cry. That's excellent. All right. Well, without further ado, we're going to do something that we've been intending to do for quite some time, and that is to share pulpits. Later in the year, I'm going to go hop into Wilson's pulpit, and I'm thankful for that. And so this is my dad, Pastor Gary Combs. Thank you, my son. And it's good to be here with you. I'm so excited to be with you here today. And that was a wonderful testimony from the Jarnackis. I really, I really appreciated hearing that. And we are talking about this topic of coming together. That's our topic. And we are in week three discussing this. And then today we're going to be talking about staying together. Sometimes that's the most challenging thing because uh, wherever you, you go, first of all, you take your own mess. You take your own stuff. And everybody else has some stuff, too. And so the idea of being with God's people seems, it seems great on paper. But then when you start getting to know each other, you find out, you know, there are no perfect people in the church. If you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. And so staying together is something we have to really depend on the Lord. And let's face it, you have to work at it. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. You know the Bible has more than 100 commands that are called one another commands? One another commands. There's 100 of them. And you can't do the one another's without one another. I'm going to see if you can help me with that. You can't do the one another's without... You can't do the one another's without one another. You know, it says in the Bible that when God made creation that he looked around at everything and he said, I did good. God patted himself on the back every time he would make something. I did good on that. And then he got to Adam and he says this, it's not so good for the man to be alone. That's what he said. It's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. And so he made Eve for him to be his partner and his helper. And we're wired that way. We're made for fellowship. God made us for the one another's. First of all, to know him, to be right with him, to be spiritually right with a vertical relationship with God, and then secondarily, horizontal relationships with one another. We were made for community. We were made for the one another's. And so as I was thinking about it, I was looking at, at my brother playing the guitar earlier here. I hope he won't be upset if I just pick it up. I won't try to play it or anything. I'm just going to hold it. Now, if you look at a guitar, this is called the head that's the head of the guitar, and this is called the body, right? And so they, it has these strings, and you'll notice that the strings are connected at the head, and they're connected at the body, and they won't play music unless they're connected at both ends. Are you following me? Do you think you know, where am I going with this? Just, just, just think about this, and they must be in tune, and the only way to get them in tune is they have to be tuned at the head, okay? You can't tune them at the body. You connect them to the body, you tune them at the head. If you think about the guitar, and, and then you think about it as a picture of Christ in the church. Christ is the head, we are the body. And, and each string must be connected at both ends in order to be in tune with God, in order to make music. And, and each string needs to be in tune with each other in, in order to produce harmony, to produce oneness. And so that's, uh, that's what God is calling us to as a church, yet we have a problem. We have a sin problem that we often don't want to be together. You ever watch one of those National Geographic shows where they've got uh, this group of gazelle and they're together, and then you'll hear the voice saying, notice the lion in the, in the bushes that's looking for that little gazelle that slipped off on its own. 
right? It's always looking for the little gazelle that's isolated, that the lion can strike. And that's what you do. When you isolate yourself, you make yourself prey to the evil one. You make yourself prey to the culture and to those things that create isolation. Uh, to, speaking of this, I was recently reading an article entitled, Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. Did you know there's a loneliness epidemic in America today? It really started before COVID, but was accelerated by COVID. Here's a report from our U.S. Surgeon General. He writes this, What if there is something in our everyday lives that can transform our whole health and well-being, something that can decrease the risk of developing and worsening heart disease, anxiety, high blood pressure, dementia, diabetes, he goes on, It exists. There's something that exists that can help these. It's something that needs to be cared for and nurtured like a garden by all of us. It can create healthier, more prosperous, and resilient communities. That something is called social connection. We need one another. The report goes on. It finds that after, uh, even before the COVID-19 epidemic, half of U.S. adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. And it warns that the physical consequences of poor connection can be devastating. It includes a 29% risk, uh, increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke, a 50% increased risk of developing dementia for older adults. We need one another. Uh, He goes on to say that we need a quality of connection, not just uh, acquaintances but quality connections. What kind of quality connections do you have today? What's the quality of your connections? In your family, with your neighbors, with your fellow believers in the church. Maybe you're telling yourself, I'm too busy to be in a community group. I'm too busy to make time for people. Or maybe you're saying, I can barely make time for my immediate family, much less committing to another night of the week, uh, hanging out with other believers. I'm not sure. Or maybe you've had a hurt in the past, maybe even in this church, where you didn't like the way somebody said something, or you didn't like the way they parented their children when you were at their house, or, or their house was too messy for you, and you go, I checked out one of those community groups, but it's not for me anymore. I just didn't like this or that. The thing is, we're all different. And we all come from different places. Or maybe you felt the pain of a troubled or broken relationship and you don't know how to reconcile it. You know, sometimes people just quit too easy. They leave too easily. You know you're lonely, but you're either too tired or too afraid to do something about it. I'm going to challenge you today from the Word of God that you don't have to stay that way. You can come together and you can stay together. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he gave the instructions to the church on how to rightly treat one another and how to stay together as one body in Christ. And as we look at the text today, and listen, by the way, just to warn you, I haven't preached for two Sundays, so we have a five-pointer coming your way. (laughs) Aren't you happy? That was a very nervous laugh, but, but I'm going to go fast, okay? So let me read the text. And Jonathan should have warned you. He hasn't preached in two Sundays. And I told him, I've only got one service, not like two that you have at that Wilson campus. So just take your time, Dad. Well, I'm I'm not going to take too much time. We'll still get you out in time for lunch. So here we are at verse 25 of chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are all members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is God's word. Amen. We're looking for five instructions for staying together as one body in Christ. Here's the first, face conflict truthfully. Face conflict truthfully. Notice how this passage begins. It begins with a therefore. Now what do we say, church, if we encounter the word therefore, what should we ask? This side over here, you're going to double jeopardy at the end. You get to go to the advanced money round. We should always ask, what's it there for? If you see the word therefore, and Paul's writing that, he's, it's like an equal sign in the text. He's saying, what I have said earlier now results in what I'm about to say now. And so therefore, earlier he was talking about, uh, in chapter 4, how we can put off the old self, the old life, and put on the new life. And so therefore, since we can do that, since we can put off the old life and its old habits and put on Christ... He, he continues by saying that we are to put away falsehood. So he's continuing that conversation. Put away falsehood. Interesting Greek word, pseudos. It's where we, uh, you might hear somebody uh, using that word. Starts with a P when you spell it. it it's a silent P, pseudos. It, he says put off falsehood. Put off uh, uh, Lying, put off faking, put these things away. And he doesn't leave us there. He said, put that off and put on what? Put on truth. Put on speaking the truth. It's a new way of living with one another. Uh, a lot of us have pseudo uh, personalities in the public. We have, we have our, our work face. We have our neighborhood face. We have the face we put on when we're in the checkout at Walmart. <laughs> we have... We have uh, the face we put on whenever there's the guy standing on the side of the road saying, need money, you know. We have all these different faces, but Paul here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is calling us to have one way of looking at life, one face, to live in the truth. He calls us to truth, and he, he, he says to put off lying. I, I want to pose this towards relationships. One of the great things about community groups, it's a place to be real. You know, one of the things that we invite you to as you come to our church is come as you are, but don't stay that way. Come as you are and be forever changed by the love of Jesus. So we want you to come and to, we want to live authentically here and to live in truth. You know, we have social media today and everybody, nobody puts their ugly picture up on Facebook. You know, you, you put pictures up, maybe you're at a family gathering and you put some photos up and then one of, one of your daughters or your wife or one of the ladies goes, I cannot believe you put that picture up. Get that picture of me off that Facebook. We only put our best pictures up there. But we want to be real with one another. Now, speaking the truth doesn't mean you should be just like uh, throwing lightning bolts at people, 
Like, I'm a truth teller, kazing, truth teller, like that. It doesn't mean that. In fact, if you back up the bus here to verse 15 of the same chapter, Ephesians 4.15, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So there's to be balance. You're to speak truth, but you do it with love. You don't come at somebody speaking truth with a smile on your face. I got you. But instead, with a tear in your eye, I love you, but I need to tell you something like that. It it creates an opportunity for real community. There are some extremes to avoid. Let me give you four types of people uh, that you might, uh, hopefully no one in this room is one of these, but you know someone like this, pseudo Susie. She says, when you ask her if there's anything wrong, she says, no, nothing's bothering me, when in fact she's deeply offended and she's going to go tell everybody what you did but not you. She's not going to tell you the truth. She lies, and she's also a gossip. How about hypersensitive Sally? Maybe you know her. Her self-esteem is so wrapped up in what others think of her that she stays constantly offended and hurt. If you look at her wrong, she's hurt. She's keeping a track record of running from relationships. She's always hurt. She's got a deep wound that she won't really tell others about. So she never really gets healing. How about lightning bolt Larry? I mentioned him earlier. He has strong opinions and he needs to get them off of his chest. That's what he says. I got to tell you something. No, you don't. You probably need to be quiet, lightning bolt Larry. He speaks before listening. He's usually truthful, but he's never loving. And then how about gotcha Gary? I thought I'd throw myself under the bus here too. Gotcha Gary. He loves to catch people in the wrong and corrects them with a smile on his face rather than a tear in his eye. He's not doing it with love. He's judgmental. Well, I hope you're not one of those, but maybe you know someone like that. Will you put off your pseudo self and start speaking the truth? Be real with one another. You can't really grow until you're real. First of all, with God, but then with others. Here's the second. Here's the second instruction Paul gives. Handle anger appropriately. Handle anger appropriately. Verses 26 and 27, he says, be angry and do not sin. You see that? Uh, is sin, a, is sin, excuse me, is anger a sin? Is anger a sin? Okay, I agree with you. Does God get angry? Yes. Does God sin? No, God is without sin. So anger is a, it's an emotion. God has that emotion. We have the emotion. Now, God is able to be angry without sin, but we have trouble with that. Our anger often leads to sin. So Paul says, you're going to be angry, but when you're angry, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let it lead to uncontrolled anger. In your anger, do not sin. Put off sinful, uncontrolled rage and put on controlled anger. If you think about what anger does, it causes, it causes adrenaline to come to your body. It, it causes you to maybe your face turns red. But, but used rightly, it motivates you to, contra- to confront truthfully. Because nobody really, well, very few people love confrontation. Some of you might like, I love confrontation, but most people don't. But it gives you the, the nerve, if you will, to confront something and talk about it. But under Christ's control, uh, we don't have to sin. Interesting Greek word for angry, be, don't be angry here, is orgidzo. It's where we get the word ogre. Don't, don't be an ogre when you get, when you get angry. Uh, and then he, he tells us something very interesting here. In fact, when I'm doing marital counseling, this is like my prescription uh, that I go, go home and read 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32 every day and have a Bible study on it and think about it because it's really teaching reconciliation. And this, just think about this. You're going to be angry, but don't sin. And then there's a clock ticking when you're angry. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Or as my mama used to say, don't go to bed mad. And then it goes on to explain a reason why you shouldn't go to bed mad and, and give no opportunity to the devil. So if you're a married couple, you go to bed angry and there's two of you in the bed. You wake up the next morning and there's three of you in the bed and it's the devil. You've let him in the house. Another translation says, do not give the devil a foothold. Like a, like a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman who, who throws, you open the door, he throws dirt in the house and sticks his foot in the door. Like that. And don't give the devil a foothold. What gives him a foothold? Uncontrolled anger that you simmer with and you don't deal with rightly and you let the sun go down. It's, it's anger when you go to bed, but it's, it's, it's bitterness when you wake up. And we do this not just in our marriages, but we do it at church. And we don't deal rightly with anger. And there's a clock ticking. What's the clock say? You've got 24 hours to deal with this. You need to deal with this before the sun sets. Don't let it simmer. Don't let it go sour and bitter in your soul. Don't give the devil an opportunity. It says in James chapter 1, You know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. How many ears did God give us? Two. How many mouths? One. He informed our biology in the order. He goes, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then at Proverbs it says, uh, Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. And so we want to give God our anger and handle it appropriately. There's a timing to it. But you're going to be honest, so you're going to tell someone. In fact, you can say this. I'm feeling angry about what you just did. Now, here's what men don't like to do. We don't like to admit we're hurt. We're, not, we're fine showing anger. Right, guys? We're fine with that. But we don't like to admit we're hurt. And so when we're hurt, instead of acting hurt, we act angry. Now, some ladies do this, but ladies seem to be better at communicating their true emotions. Guys kind of bottle them up on average, and and we'll show anger no matter what you do to us. If we're hurt, instead of saying, when you said that, it hurt my feelings, we'll just be like, we'll just be angry like that, and then try to say something back to hurt them back like that. And so instead of doing that, speak truthfully and handle your anger appropriately, and it's something for for all of us to learn, but especially I've noticed with men, noticed with myself, to admit to your spouse, to admit to your friend, hey, you know, that hurt my feelings when you said that, and I just, I'm just i feeling a little angry towards you right now, and I want you to help me with that. And so you can be honest like that and work that out. Depending on the Spirit of Christ, put off sinful rage and uncontrolled anger and put on uh, Christ, put on self-control. Here's number three. Here's the third instruction. Work to give generously. Work to give generously. We're at verse 28 now. We're working through this verse by verse. In verse 28, it says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, I want to point this towards relational work, because that's our topic, come together, stay together. How do we point this towards relations? Well, we see that Paul is talking about actual work, you know, so you have something to share. But how about you apply that in relationships? Are you a relationship contributor or a taker? 
Are you a giver or a taker in relationships? So just, just think about if you're, um, if you're in a small group, if you're in a community group, whenever the facilitator, when the group shepherd asks questions, uh, are you open? Do you speak truthfully? Do you contribute to the group with words? So one, one place that you can be a taker rather than a giver is maybe, maybe you're an introvert. That's okay. You can be an introvert, but give us a few words. Give, tell us what's going on in your noggin. If you're from the north, a noggin means a head. Did you know noggin? You learned noggin yet? Okay. <laughs> you had all those accents down, by the way. It's very impressive. But, but tell people, contribute. Uh, if you're part of the church, part of the community, uh, and it's one of those meal nights, bring, bring one of the foods that you cook yourself. Or bring, some, bring your favorite food, but you're not a cook, but you like to buy this from this restaurant. And then share it with other people and tell them why it's your favorite. There's something about sitting face-to-face and knee-to-knee over a meal that just really breaks down barriers and causes people to get to know each other. And so be a contributor. Uh, offer your home as a host home. And say, you, you know what? I'm not ready to lead a group, but I'd be happy to let it meet in my house. I'd do that. I could do that. You know, I can vacuum up and set some chairs and, and have some drinks ready or whatever. And just be thinking about how you can work to give generously in relationship. It, it says in Hebrews chapter 13, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Be a giver in relationship. Now, thinking about this uh, in community groups, thinking about this in your church, think about this in your marriage. Now, one of the things, and I think it's kind of, it shows that God has a sense of humor in a way. By and large, on average, most women have about 30,000 words a day that they must say. They need to say these 30,000 words to somebody. On average, most men have about nine, about nine or 10,000 words a day that they must say. Okay. Now, I know that varies from person to person, but by and large, if you, if you put a group of little boys, two-year-old, two-year-old toddlers in a room by themselves with two buckets of toys, one bucket's little dolls and stuff like that, and another is soldiers with dump trucks, and you just put a camera on them, you'll hear them in there going, and won't, you won't hear two words. You put a group of little girls in, they get some dolls out, and they all start talking. Hey, hello, my name is, and they start talking in complete sentences at two years old. So, so from nobody has to teach them this. They're born more social and more verbal than guys, and guys are more hands and action, less verbal. This is uh, known, right? And so what? Men, what do we have to work at? You go, you go later in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and it says to wash her with the word. Speaking to husbands, in other words, we gotta we gotta give words, guys. A lot of guys are are, are not giving words. And I'm talking about the right words, not the wrong words, but the encouraging words. I'm a people person, by the way. It, it's helpful when you're a pastor to be a people person. I'm a people person, but I get tired of people sometimes, just like you do. Sometimes, and certain people make me more tired than other people. You got some people make you tired. You see them coming. Go, uh oh, they made eye contact with me. I can't even go to Lowe's or Walmart and buy what I want to buy in Wilson's. I often drive up here to shop because there's fewer people, people in Rocky Mount that know me than in Wilson. If I go somewhere in Wilson, I forget what I went in there for. 
I'm trying to get over there to buy a tool at Lowe's. And, and I've, I've not even made it through the front door. Some people have said hello to me in the parking lot. I'm out in the parking lot talking to them. Then front door. And by the time I get in there, I go, hmm, i got to look at my phone and go, what did I say I was coming in here for? Well, sometimes I get tired of people. And sometimes my, my small group. Now, by the way, the reason I'm wearing this green shirt and I see one, two, three more green shirts. Uh, is it right, Jonathan? Should I see four? You told me there was four. He's in the back. He's in the He's teaching. Okay, so... so I'm wearing a green shirt because I'm a small group. I'm a community group shepherd. And so I see three guys in the back, and there's one working with kids right now. And so if you want to know more about community groups, go grab a green shirt guy. That's, that's why we're wearing green shirts today, is to, so you could talk to somebody. But sometimes I don't want to go to my own community group, and I'm the one leading it. You, you, you're, probably, you're happy that you have my son as your pastor here, right? Because that guy... Sometimes he doesn't even want to go to his own small group. And the problem is, most weeks it meets at my house. So I, I, I'd have to leave my house to get out of it. The truth is, uh, some days you just don't feel like it. You don't feel like it. But in order to really live in community, you got to work at it. Some days you're just not yourself. You're not right. But do it anyway. Make a habit of church attendance, of being in a community group. And you'll find, I've never had a week where I went to church or went to community group, I, and I pulled into the parking lot going, oh, boy, I'm tired. I don't want to, oh, I, that, that one person's going to come up and talk to me first thing, and I'm just too tired. I feel that way, but by the time I leave, I'm so glad I came. I've never had a time where I didn't leave and go, that was a blessing. I'm glad I showed up. Uh, you know, God... God doesn't really, he's not so concerned about your ability. He's concerned about your availability. Be, show up, show up, be present, let God work, work to give generously. Here's number four, got to move on. Communicate gracefully, communicate gracefully. We're at verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Communicate gracefully. Put off unwholesome talk and put on edifying talk. You have the power, the book of Proverbs says, the power to curse and bless is in the tongue. You, you, can, you can be a blessing to someone or you can, you, can, you can bring them down. You can be a curse to someone by the way you speak. Now, one of the ways that I found the best way to protect my tongue is to put some right words in it, get up in the morning, read the word, pray, uh, say, Holy Spirit, tame my tongue. And a lot of us, the more words you have, the more at risk you are of saying the wrong words. Preachers have a special problem. We have to be really careful because we, we speak a lot. But a lot of us have to really watch what we say. There's power in the tongue. He says, put away corrupting talk. The picture here is, is like a fruit that has rotted, that's corrupt and, and smelly. Put away stinky words. You know where stinky words come? They come from stinking thinking. <laughs> stinky words come from the, from the heart, from the mind. And, and we're, you know, if you think of the mind like a computer... Garbage in, garbage out. Giggo, right? Garbage in, garbage out. You put in good word, good word will come out. And so we want to be a blessing. So put off stinking, rotten, corrupt, nasty, 
dead talk. We live in a culture today that's the most coarse, ugly, nasty, <laughs> rotten. You can't watch a movie. You can't watch TV. You can't. It's in, it, it, we never used to hear this kind of language when I was a young man. We, we, we used to ascribe it to the sailor. We'd say, well, that person's talking like a sailor. You might not have ever heard that, but that's what we used to hear when I was growing up. Like, that's how military guys talk to each other when they're away from the women and the kids. But now we do everything in front of the women and the kids, and sometimes the women are worse than the men because we've become coarse. And, but Paul says, as believers, we're to put off that way of talking. We're to speak gracefully. We're to speak edifying words, graceful words to one another, words that build the other up so that it builds up the hearer. I want you to think today, even before you leave today, because as we're leaving today, I hope you'll say hello to somebody. I hope you'll say something to somebody before you jet to your car and try to beat the Methodist to the, to the restaurant you're headed to. It's no way you're beating them because I got this five-pointer, so I'm sorry already. Just take your time. But think how you can say something to somebody that would bless them. Just be thinking about it. Just think about what can I say to this person that would build them up. Wouldn't that be... Wouldn't that just change the, the temperature of this community? Wouldn't that just change if we started building each other up? It says in Colossians, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Like a, like a well-seasoned meal. I, my daughter is sitting next to my wife here this morning, and when she was a little girl, she used to climb up in my lap, and, and she would just like um, look me in the eye, and she would, she would want me to say words to her, because I would say things to her like, you're pretty, you got eyes like your daddy, you got brown eyes like your daddy, and you, 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 look, you, know, you look so beautiful, and she would lean her ear in like she was almost putting her ear against my mouth. She kids especially live for your edifying words. What was Adam's first job? You know, we talked about it's not good for man to be alone back there in Genesis chapter 2. What was his first job? You remember? Name the animals. Name the animals. What have you named your children? I'm not talking about the name you gave them on the birth certificate. I'm talking about when they're acting up, what do you call them? You give them another name? When they do something that you don't like, what do you call them? What do you name your children? Fathers especially, I'm speaking to you. Fathers especially have the power to name. What do you name your children? What do you name each other? What do you call each other? Are you blessing people? Are, you, uh, are your words like a, a well-seasoned meal that feeds the soul of the person who hears it? Or do when, peop when people see you coming... Because they love your words so much? Are you, are you like my daughter who they kind of lean in and go, tell me some more. I love hanging out with you. They don't, they're not going to say it to you, but they're thinking, I love hanging out with that guy, with that lady, because I always feel better having been with her. Having been with him, I always feel encouraged. Now, here's how my mom used to say it. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Or as Thumper on Bambi said, don't say nothing at all. You can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. You ever heard this phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie. 
Words actually can hurt worse. They go right to your soul. Communicate gracefully. Think about your words, especially those of us that talk a lot. Are your words building others up? Well, let's keep going. Here's our final one. Can you believe it? We got to it. Number five, pursue unity forgivingly. Pursue unity forgivingly. Put off bitterness. Put on forgiveness. Put on uh, unity. Let's look at these verses. It begins with a word about the Holy Spirit. This is an interesting word. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What grieves the Spirit? What's the, when we think of the word grief, what, what do we usually compare that to? Death. Who died that grieved the Spirit? A relationship. Uh, earlier in chapter 4, it says there's, 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 there's one Spirit, one baptism, one Lord. He, the Spirit is a Spirit of unity. And if you're the body of Christ, it grieves Him when you won't reconcile. If you're really close to the Spirit, if you're really walking in the Spirit, and you're sideways with someone, you're not right with someone, it'll, He won't let you sleep sound. He'll bother you. He... he, he He's grieving, and you'll feel it. You'll feel a sadness in your soul. I'm not right with her. I'm not right with him. Now, if you're not a believer, you may or may not feel that. But the spirit within you will grieve, and you'll feel the grief, and it'll stir your soul until you do something about it, unless you just keep on pressing down against it and say, no, I can never. Have you ever said this? I could never forgive him for what he did to me. I could never forgive her. We're like that. And you're harming yourself more than you're harming that person. That person doesn't even know what you're holding inside. But guess what you're doing? There's someone you're hurting that you haven't thought about. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. The fact that you won't forgive them, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. I had a, a fellow some years ago I led to the Lord. And he, uh, he, he, he wasn't right with his father. His father had hurt him as he was a young man. and He hadn't talked to him in 20 years. And his father died. And he came to me. He came to me crying. He goes, I never did get right with my dad. Now he's gone. Now he's gone. What am I going to do? Because he still had this bitterness and so Now he's angry at someone that's not even here anymore. And it's still harming him. It's still affecting the way he thinks and the way he talks and the way he acts. And so I, I was in my office with him and I said, I tell you what, let's do this. And I took an empty chair and I put it in front of him. And I said, you sit there. And you tell that empty chair everything you need to tell your daddy. And he started telling him how he'd hurt him. I said, go ahead. Tell him the truth. Speak the truth in love. Tell, him how he, tell, tell your dad how, you, how, how he hurt you. And then I want you to say, by the power of Jesus, Daddy, I forgive you. He started weeping, talking to that chair. Because I think the Spirit, the Spirit helped him like that. Maybe some of you have a wound that goes back so far that person's not even living anymore. Or maybe they're in another state now and you'll probably never see them again. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do about it. That was what the Spirit put on my heart with him that day. I said, well, he's not here. Let's, let's talk to the empty chair. Maybe. And it really helped him. He got it out like that. It grieves the Spirit when you're not at one with one another because you were made for one another. But sin breaks the bonds. It makes us so we're not right with God. And it makes us so we're not right with others. 
But he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. First of all, being right with God and then inviting others to be right with God and with one another. Pursue unity forgivingly. First of all, because it grieves the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, he says, let all bitterness. He's got this ugly list. You just call it the ugly list. Here's a list of things to get rid of. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, a whole bunch of stuff here. Bitterness is like poison. It, the, the Greek word could be translated like a poison. Uh, the, the word wrath is more like that red hot anger. The Greek word is thumos. It's, it means heat. And someone's hot with anger. Clamor is someone who's just, just always making noise. Everywhere they go, they create disunity. Uh, slander. The Greek word there is interesting. It's blasphemia. It means uh, to, to, to lie about someone. Malice. That means to have hatred and, and ill will. To harm someone. Get rid of that stuff. Put that stuff out. And in its place, verse 32, be kind to one another. That's in the Greek imperative. In other words, that's not a holy suggestion. That's a, that's a command. That's one of those one another's I was telling you about. The 100 one another's. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted to one another. Be forgiving to one another. How? As Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. It says in Colossians, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Think of it like a bank, like a forgiveness bank. You're thinking, I can't forgive that person. Yes, you can. What did What did God forgive you of? He forgave you of everything. How? Through Christ who paid it all. So how can I forgive someone that I don't feel the forgiveness? Because you're thinking wrongly. You're thinking forgiveness is an emotion. It's not. It's an action. It's an action. It's a decision. So I don't know. Everybody here has probably paid all your bills on time. You're good people. I can tell you know you're, you're good people. But I had this point in my life where I got behind on some things. I quit my job. I went to seminary. I started planning the church in Wilson. And all of a sudden, these people want me to pay bills, and I didn't have any money. And this one bank, I remember, they kept calling me. And I would, I would answer the phone call, and I'd say, look, right now, I'm, I, I'm not working right now, but I, I will pay you. And, and they were like, well, it's growing interest. As you're, I said, I know, and I'm going to pay you. And so this one guy finally calls me. He says, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to forgive the interest and write it off if you'll pay this much. Well, I finally was able to do it. And so once they write it off, they don't keep calling you. Praise God, they don't keep calling you. I had to get an answer machine during that time, so I didn't go crazy. I had like, like, and finally the Lord gave me the ability to pay my debts and to get caught back up, right? Well, here's the thing about forgiveness. If, if you draw on the forgiveness bank in heaven, how much, how much? Jesus says you can forgive 70 times 7. You can just keep writing forgiveness checks and sign the name of Jesus. He says you can, you can pray in my name. You can ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. And so you're like, I can't forgive this person. Yes, you can. With Christ's help, you can. Write him a forgiveness check from heaven. Uh, draw on that and say, Lord, now that I'm taking that action, now help me to let go of it so I write it off. I no longer hold that debt against them. I, I give up the right to bring it up again. Now you forgive somebody, you can't keep bringing it up. You can't keep listening. I've, I've, I've forgiven them. 
And so we learn to do this. Will you learn to do the one another's in the power of Jesus? Now think about that guitar again. If you look at the head and you look at the body, are you connected on both ends? Are you connected to Jesus? You can't do anything I've been talking about today unless you do it in the power of Christ. And are you connected to the body? Are you part of a local church that preaches the, the word of God in a place where you can grow? Are you connected? And, and are you in tune? And only Christ can tune you. And are you in harmony with the other strings so that we make beautiful, harmonious music together? The power to come together and stay together is in Christ. And I want to challenge you today, before you leave today, if you're not in a community group, check that box in your connection card. Talk to one of the green shirt guys and find out more. Talk to the Jarnekis and uh, find out more about community groups. They love it so good, they're in two of them, okay? But you get connected, and when you're connected, learn to stay together. Let me pray. Lord, we recognize that forgiveness comes through Jesus. And we're just so thankful for Jesus today. He's the one that has changed our lives. And I want to pray for that person that's here this morning and they've never committed their life to Christ. Is that you, my friend? Are you someone you've never committed your life to Christ? You can do it right now. Pray with me right now. Prayer is just an expression of faith. Dear Lord Jesus, just pray right where you're at, right in your seat. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness I want to be right with God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you were raised from the grave, that you live today. Come and live in me. Make me the person you want me to be. I want to be a child of God, and I want to follow you, Lord Jesus, with all my life. Thank you for forgiving me and making me a child of God. If you're praying that prayer right now, believe in he'll save you. Others are here today, and you're a believer. You know the Lord, but you're not connected Maybe it's because you're just here for the first or second time. You're just getting to know people. That's okay. Take the next step. Or maybe you're here this morning and um, you got a hurt. And you, you haven't learned how to get healing. I just want to pray for you especially right now. Um, just pray with me. Lord, you know the hurt I have, the relational hurt. I just give that to you right now. First of all, would you give me the power to forgive that person? Would you give me the... Would you give me the, that forgiveness from heaven, from that forgiveness bank? And would you help me to, to have strength again to enter into relationships, to be transparent and authentic, Lord? Help me. Help me to get connected more to you and more to one another. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.